If I give away everything I own, and if I hand my body over so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. In a week, on February 7, the church in Virginia marks the 96th anniversary of the death of Frank Parader. Some of you have heard me mention him before. For many of you, his name is unfamiliar, but hopefully soon he'll become one of your favorite holy young people. A hundred years ago, he was just a junior in high school at Benedictine in Richmond. And when he finished high school, he immediately entered seminary studies. Two years later, Bishop Dennis J. O'Connell sent him to Rome to study philosophy and theology for the Diocese of Richmond, which then was the entire state of Virginia. When he arrived in Rome, he had an intuition and a desire. His desire, obviously, as a seminarian, was to give his life to God, wherever it led. His intuition was that his life might be demanded of him relatively soon thereafter. And so he penned a spiritual last will and testament. A few months later, he did die. And his classmates in Rome and collecting his belongings found these envelopes marked to be opened only in case of my death. Many beautiful writings, letters back to the Boy Scouts in Virginia. And one of his writings has this beautiful passage. I have nothing to leave or to give but my life. And this I have consecrated to the sacred heart to be used as he wills. This is what I live for, and in case of death, what I die for. Since my childhood, I have wanted to die for God and my neighbor. Shall I have this grace? I do not know. But if I go on living, I shall live for this same purpose. Every action of my life here is offered to God for the spread and success of the Catholic Church in Virginia. I shall be of more service to my diocese in heaven than I ever can be on earth. In a month when I lead a pilgrimage with Father Jason Burchill from St. Agnes to the Eternal City and also to Assisi, there are a few open spots, by the way, I hope to bring all the pilgrims to the, to the tomb of Frank Parader. He's buried in the mausoleum that belongs to the North American College in the city cemetery of Rome, right next to the Basilica of St. Lawrence outside the walls. It's a place where we would go with seminarians once a year, and especially as a seminarian from Virginia, it had particular importance and inspirational value. There are many monuments in Rome, monuments to saints and monuments to great people who weren't saints. Among my favorites are those to Pope Gregory VIII and Pope Gregory IX. They're inside St. Peter's Basilica. As you walk in over on the right, you'll see the Pieta, and you continue on, and there's the Blessed Sacrament Chapel that's uh, curtained off. As you continue down the right side aisle, just before you get to the transept, where you'll see Pope St. John Twenty-Third buried, there's a little alcove. To the right is the monument of Pope Gregory VIII. To the left, the monument of Pope Gregory IX. Pope Gregory VIII is famous because he gave us the Gregorian calendar. He was the one who 
receive the information from theologians and scientists and astronomers that the calendar had to be adjusted slightly in order to be accurate. And so we have, because of his somewhat intellectually courageous decision, an accurate calendar, 365 and a quarter days. The event of his being visited by these theologians and scientists and astronomers is depicted in a gorgeous sculpture that's over a, a pedestal with his name inscribed in it, Gregorius VIII, Gregory VIII. Towering above is an image of Lady Knowledge with the sunburst over her heart. And cowering below is a, a little demon, he almost looks like a puppy, who's hiding underneath uh, a blanket or a, or a curtain that's being pulled back. It's a beautiful testament to just one of the legacies of Pope Gregory VIII. Opposite him is the monument to Gregory IX, and it immediately gets your attention because it doesn't say Gregorius V, or rather Gregorius IX, Gregory IX. It says Gregorius V-I-I-I-I, which is wrong. You know your Roman numerals. The rest of the monument tells the story. Apparently, he squandered much of the treasure at his disposal uh, for the sake of finding a cure to a disease that afflicted his family. Didn't do much else. Certainly was not a great patron of the arts. And so the artisans of the Papal Estates had the last laugh. After his death, the monument to Gregory IX was simply an empty pedestal that was intended for Gregory VIII. They just added another I to the numbers and left an empty wall to remember everything that Gregory IX did for them. And that's in St. Peter's Basilica. Reviewing the history of the popes shows many legacies, some far more glorious than Gregory VIII and many far more notorious than Gregory IX. But everyone leaves a legacy. And a lot of that legacy is tangible and visible by virtue of what you spent your money on or what you didn't. In your bulletin today is the insert for the annual Bishop's Lenten Appeal. You'll see on the inside the pie chart, as you've come to expect it, showing what the money goes to. And as always, the biggest chunk of money goes to the education of seminarians. Frank Parader is a perfect example of how the very fact of being a seminarian already is of great benefit to the church. A young man who says, I'm willing to follow God's will into the priesthood if that's the path that God puts before me. Certainly entering the seminary doesn't mean that one certainly will be ordained a priest. Hopefully several of the young men who are here with us will make that choice, not knowing for certain that the priesthood is where they will be led, but knowing that no matter what, they will do God's will. They are offering up their life. They're offering up their body for the church and for the salvation of souls. Not only is that beautiful, it's also expensive to send them to school to pay for their tuition. And as much as seminary education is the biggest chunk of money, we don't even try to pay for the full tuition of those who are still finishing college. They have to pay half of their tuition. When we think of Bishop Laverty, whose retirement age has already passed just a few months ago, and we know that we can expect a bishop probably uh, towards the end of this year, whenever Pope Francis decides to, to name our next bishop, 
Bishop Laverty will leave a legacy. And besides restoring the vocations back to their pre previous glory, the fostering of Catholic education is also one of his uh, dearest causes. And appropriately, today is the feast day of St. John Bosco. In order to provide for that classic dictum of the church, a Catholic education for every Catholic child requires not only commitment of individuals and of families to choose that, it also requires the commitment of the diocese to help make that possible for the people who can't afford it. And as much as we wouldn't expect that in our zip code, there are families in our parish who attend our parish school who get tuition assistance from the diocese. But it's just the beginning of what could be. When we consider the last 17 years of Bishop Laverty being our shepherd and knowing that this is probably the last Bishop's Lenten appeal for Bishop Laverty, we know that we have an opportunity to help solidify his legacy, to help him leave the diocese in even better shape. Besides those various offices, we also know that the Bishop's Lenten appeal makes it possible for him to hire the best possible people to be leaders of the departments of the diocese. And there are a few very important hires coming up this year. So it doesn't hurt to make a donation and make a recommendation. And if there's something that you think needs to be improved, then go ahead and send in your check and also send in your two cents. That doesn't hurt. But it's something akin to the March for Life, if I can make that analogy, where the event in and of itself isn't what accomplishes a great deal. And participating in it doesn't necessarily mean that we've done a great, uh, a great work. But not to participate in it, that would be significant. 25 years ago when I became a seminarian, Father Gould, who had just finished being a parochial vicar here at St. Agnes, or St. John's, and was going to St. Agnes, would say time and time again, God has something very special in store for this diocese. How else can we explain so many men, so many seminarians, so many priests? But the same can be said for all of you, all of the families that make up the Diocese of Arlington. God has something very special in store for this diocese, which means he has something great that he's going to ask of us. By the end of our lives, Frank Prater may very well be blessed Frank Prater, or even Saint Frank Prater. His cause for canonization has already been proposed and sent to Rome. At the end of our lives, it would be wonderful if we could look forward to greeting him in heaven and knowing that all that we have being given away and our body having been given up, not for us to boast, but for the love of God and the salvation of souls, we will be able to tell him that we also gave everything for the success of the church in Virginia. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.